Oh man, I was just eating an almond. Like it's all right. Almonds are pretty good. <laughs> I mean, if they're salted, are they salted almonds? No, they like dry. Yeah. Yeah. All right. <clears throat> Welcome to the politics of tyranny. We are here in episode whatever to um, discuss and hopefully ultimately eliminate tyranny. That's the project. <laughs> I think we can do it. We can do it, man. Hope. Just, just a couple guys, you know, <laughs> a couple big ideas. And we've been discussing tyranny as a very simple, um, if perverse, um, operation, which is rule for private gain. And to explain that someone can rule for private gain requires explaining that this is something that appears repulsive wherever it is, uh, wherever, it, wherever it does show itself. And, and so part of tyranny is the masking of tyranny. And what we've been discussing is the mechanisms by which tyranny masks itself. Um, and, and which is cool because the, the very necessity of masking it points to the reality of human nature, right? That, tyran that tyranny is unnatural. Totally, yeah. That's I the mean, reason it must be masked. I've been having this um, this conversation in regards to technology, and it's like the point of any kind of good critique of technology is not to say like technology is evil or something. It's to say that because human nature is so good, so wonderful, that there is no evil technology that can be utilized without actually delivering some human good. Right. And, and tyranny is the same. You can consider tyranny as a kind of technology of human rule almost, mm -hmm. which is to say that in the same way, it must deliver some kind of good. It must fake it. It must mask itself as being for the common good in some way in order to work at all. Right. And this is, this is a real cause for hope. Uh, I mean, I think for people living under tyranny to know. I mean, maybe it's a little bit of a sad. Hope. It's the reason why the tyrants are always paranoid <laughs> yeah, yeah. because because their own mechanisms are always playing on their own undoing. Yeah. Right. Because they're they're always they're always appealing to aspects of human nature that are that are grasping after true rule, just totally. rule. Yeah. That are and so the tyrants sort of pretending to be that in certain roles. Yeah. Like and, I think and so you're always messing playing with fire. Oh, what totally. I'm like you think about the way that you know, any tyranny that faces the, the competition of other tyrants has to then, especially on a national level, develop some kind of pro-family policy to get people to have families, to provide the workforce, to provide right. the army. But then you're playing with fire because what you're producing and promoting is, of course, units of love um, yeah. and, and, and alternative sources of authority that foster the opposite ideals of, of tyranny. Right. So, I mean, we talked about this when we talked about cruelty and yeah. we talked about that this is the reason why it takes on those forms. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's important that we see that that what we're, the, the, the sort of underlying principle here is that rule itself yes. is not tyrannical. That's right. All right. So, so I think that sometimes in our discussions, we've maybe, we've maybe missed or we've maybe downplayed that um, but they've, it's always been there, that principle. So like when we go all the way back to the beginning, we talked about humans being uh, social in their very natures and that that part of what that means is that is that mastery, So, which is a word that is upsetting to Americans maybe, but it's the word that we get, get from Thomas. No but, gods, no masters. Yeah. <laughs> but the point, the point is that, that human power over some humans over others – the power of 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 more you know the existence of more powerful people and weaker people 
is an, an essential aspect of our sociality, of what, what it means to be a social being. And that, that itself is not a problem. That's not tyranny. That's the thing that the tyrants are aping. Absolutely. And in fact, so, what we want to we want to suggest from the outset prior to defending it um, is that equality, that is to say the denial that there's any kind of lower and higher that is the necessary condition for rule. Equality is actually another one of these mechanisms of tyranny. Yeah, it's, it's, there's an irony here, but it's a a, a serious one. Right? Yeah, right. Yeah. Like, the, and I want to be clear about what the what we're claiming here, because I think when you think of tyranny, one of the first things you think of is precisely the inequality between the tyrant and the one over whom the tyrant lords. Mm -hmm. And this is this is essential, right? Mm -hmm. um, but already you can see why equality must be in some ways a mechanism of tyranny because the whole point is once you recognize oh this is a tyrant that is lording over me right mm -hmm. then again you start not to like it right right in some way so the assertion of equality you can already see makes a kind of basic sense like there has to be some kind of assertion that that's not really happening there has to be a mask yeah no exactly right so so the what we're getting at what we will be getting at here i think we're gonna have to unpack this a lot oh yeah is that the tactic of equality, so the myth of equality or the yeah. assertion of equality yeah. is a tactic for hiding hiding the actual deployment and, and efficacy of power. Awesome. Right? So power is really there because that's essential. Okay. We're here. We're the pro-inequality party. That's Let right. No, and, and, and this, this, is, this is one of the most disconcerting aspects of Catholic social teaching, I yeah. think. And when I, when I teach it with my students, it's always very disconcerting because when you read the encyclicals of the 19th century, especially, the popes are just obsessed with authority. And when they, when they look at the errors that they're seeing in the modern world, they always boil it down to a denial of authority. Mm -hmm. And one of the problems there that we have in reading that is we read it and it's, it's often in this sort of archaic language and sort yeah. of um, alliance of throne and altar yeah, kind yeah. of monarchical language because it's, that's it's the time. setting. Yeah. Right. But, but we are, we read it as some sort, sometimes we read it as sort of an appeal to divine right or an appeal yeah. to some sort of like sovereign power or, or we, 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 we read it as if, as if they're advocating tyranny. Well, absolutely. I mean, you think we are, Red-blooded Americans here. That's right. Yeah, and so we're Republican. What's an, an American? Yeah, right. That and what's an American? Well, I mean, it's... a Republican in the little R sense, not sure, sure. Not the big R right. sense. Yeah, yeah. yeah. They're, yeah. They're, <laughs> they're, they're just sellouts. Yeah. No, the um, we are, we begin right having cast off a king. Yeah. Um, which I think is actually awesome, but not just because we cast off a king, right? Like, so I think there's something to. But the the Pope's point is that. It, it, you can extract the principle out of the particular political circumstances, right? Oh, yeah. And so the principle is that authority in society is is not only inevitable, mm -hmm. it's desirable, mm -hmm. it's necessary, mm -hmm. and that to not acknowledge the desirability and the necessity of it is to pervert it into tyranny. But there's no getting out of the reality of, of power. All right, let's talk about it. Power, okay. <laughs> power difference is a necessity. Now, do you mean this socially? You mean it metaphysically? Both. Yeah. Um, I was uh, I was just throwing you a really soft. I knew the answer. <laughs> I just let you hit it. Actually, I think it's both. <laughs> All right, sorry. Go ahead. Yeah. So so I um I guess I guess I guess maybe we begin metaphysically. Great uh, place to start. 
and and very simple. We'll do a very simple sort of outline of a hierarchical understanding. Now you know every professor when they're like, we're going to get simple, either talks about a dog or a tree. I'm going to talk about a tree. Nice. I choose tree. All right. I mean, I, I think it says a lot about someone. Which they choose. What what they draw on the board when they're I'm like, All right, the says. essence of the dog. <laughs> Anyways, go and ahead. it's like which one? It's mostly like which is they think which do they think is more funny, like a little oval with stick legs as a dog, or like your pitiful tree, which is just a ball with yeah. like. They're never good. That's for sure. I think the tree is more funny. All right, there you go. Anyway, let's talk about your okay. tree. <laughs> so, um, all right, so let's let's talk about an oak tree, just for fun. So, the 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 basic the basic. Um, uh, classic metaphysical vision uh, christian metaphysical vision is that things are that the cosmos itself is is a dynamic movement towards perfection mm -hmm. okay so that the 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 movement is a movement from the imperfect to the perfect but yeah. imperfect is not is not that there's something wrong with it okay so, so this isn't again in modernity we have a problem with this because we yeah. think imperfect is somehow flawed mm -hmm. but that's not what they're saying so you think about like an acorn would be mm -hmm. an example an acorn is a perfect acorn, but it's an imperfect oak tree. Right. Okay, so its movement from acorn to oak tree is its movement from imperfect to perfect, but each step along the way is a perfection in its own right. Do you see what it, No, what do you mean? So like there's a perfect acorn, oh, which oh. is an imperfect oak. There's a perfect seedling, which is an imperfect oak. There's a perfect, right? So there's mm -hmm. the, the, the movement into its greater perfection is a movement of ascending perfection series of perfections yeah right now the way in which the way in which that occurs though the acorn itself has no ability to move so the acorn we will we, we use the language of saying in act it's in act is what it is it's just sitting there um but then we'll say it has the potency to become a seedling it has the potency eventually to become an oak tree but when we say that what we're actually saying is that there are other things that are in act that can act upon it mm -hmm. in such a way to move it out of its simple acornness into its seedling into it so so what what are those things sunlight soil water right there's things other things in the cosmos in act yeah. that can activate its potencies yeah. and move it into perfection so the point there that we're getting at is that things move into themselves through the act of things that are already higher that are already in act yes okay H higher higher insofar as have more efficacy right in really okay. in yeah. relation to it right yeah right so it so it, and this is this is not doing what it can't exactly got it yeah an acorn if there's no water in the cosmos the acorn never becomes an oak tree yeah and the only reason i kind of pause on this is sometimes i think when you hear higher you can think that it's higher in a kind of comparative way with the acorn which leads to all these problems like is water like better than acorns no like, only support? only in only in in within the context of their that relation right. of what it's possible for right. the acorn. okay right so so the it becomes like a beggar to water it needs the gift of water we yeah, might absolutely. say okay so so there's there is a the point the point though is that even within the nature of the oak so even for the oak to achieve its end or its end right. as a perfect oak tree yeah it requires it doesn't have the resources within itself as an acorn to do that totally it requires the act of things other things in the cosmos that are in act now what that means is that we can't talk about oak trees without talking about all the things 
all the things that potentially act upon the oak tree. Well, and, and talk about everything, right? Well, it ultimately implicates the entire cosmos. That's the point, because right? Because there's no, like, water is the same. Like, it itself. Yeah, so so you have this big, this extremely complex um, uh, cosmos of differences and inequalities. Yeah. Now, the way St. Thomas talks about this is that is that it's really rather beautiful. So he says that God, of course, is, is infinite. And so when God images, images himself in his creation, the way in which he approaches the infinity of himself, right? The way he images himself most perfectly is through diversity and inequality, because each thing that is created images God in its mode, which is just a fancy way of saying, you know, it's like it, that frogs image God in a frogish way, rocks in a rocky way, trees in a treeish way, right? Yeah, and you can see how only when you're talking about the creation of a of a material universe, um, really diversity is the only way we can approach imaging infinity. Right. So you have you have something that you're you're kind of catching it from different angles, reflections of it from yeah. different angles. And the more angles you can catch a reflection of, the the more sort of complete mm. that that image becomes. Yeah. The reflection you're seeing. See, it's very beautiful because it means that like wisdom, which is ultimately the contemplation of God, doesn't have a shortcut in the sense it can't just like go directly to God. The knowledge of natures of things is actually part of how you absolutely come to know God. Yes. Yeah, so so, so how education actually works. Works. Yeah. <laughs> so so the 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 diversity in of itself is a more perfect imaging of God. Mm -hmm. But then even beyond that, the inequality, so what we're talking about of the movement from imperfect to perfect is an imaging of God. And this and this is really interesting. It happens in two two ways. One is that God isn't what Thomas says is he's not just good, but he part of his nature is that he imparts goodness to others. And so in this relational cosmology, everything is imparting its goodness. So it in act is acting upon the potencies of other things and elevating them into the, their further act, right? Towards their end. Like the water to the acorn. The way all water to the acorn. So when the water acts upon the acorn, it's imaging God as creator. Wow. Okay. And it's, so there's a, there's a further imaging of God in the inequality and the right. relationality. So, so it's not just that we come look at the universe and realize God is infinite. We also realize that he is good. He's good. And he imparts that he's goodness. A giver. He's a, he's a creator and a giver. Yeah. Okay. Cool. So, so then, but then it's even more interesting because, because the movement from the imperfect to the perfect is a continuum. Right, so the move the movement of the acorn to the oak is it we 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 only artificially or arbitrarily divide it up into steps. It's actually yeah. just a fluid movement. Mm -hmm. And like I was saying earlier, any movement within that is perfect in its own right, right. Yeah. which means you have an infinite number of perfections in the movement from the acorn to the oak. And every one of those infinite number of perfections is imaging God in a different mode. Yeah. All right. So so now within finite bounds, we're approaching infinity. Yeah. Right, you see, so 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 we're approaching within the finite. We're approaching some sort of infinitely complex, infinitely variable, infinitely dynamic imaging of the of the divine. Yeah. All right, which is the best we can do. Well, I mean, it's, <laughs> it's not even the best we can do. It's the best. best he God, it's the best. Well, it's what God does. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, I don't like to tell God what the best He can do. Hey, it's the best of all possible worlds. Yeah. You know that. Um, but the beauty, so the beauty, you can see, start to see the, the majesty of this and the beauty of it. But, but yeah. Thomas says it requires both diversity and inequality. Those are characteristics then of the cosmos. Yeah, because if you had, if you didn't have that, um, 
the dependence of something like the acorn on what is what ha the things that have what it doesn't in itself, then you would never have the image of the gift that we uh, right by yeah. which we know no who God and it, is. and it's very um. There's so many pieces here. I'm trying to think of the best order, but maybe I just won't think about that. Maybe I'll just talk. I think it's very intuitive. Okay, so because because there's unless you're a sinner. <laughs> so one of the things that's be that's beautiful about it is you mentioned the gift and the way in which this whole system or this whole whole conception of of the cosmos is is really a way of conceiving gift yep. because the the thing that's in potency the acorn sitting there is only in potency from really from the direction of the water. I mean, what I mean is like the water's existence, the existence of the water is what makes the acorn have the potency. Yeah. You know, like the water has to be there in act. And so, it, so imagine a cosmos where there is no water and the acorn's sitting there, right? It doesn't have the potency to be an oak until, and then when water appears, now it does have the potency to be an oak, but it, it nothing changed with the acorn. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It all so came from above. It comes from above. And so what, when the water, in this analogy, when the water acts upon it, it acts upon it in a way that the acorn, if we, this is getting kind of weird, but I'll just say it. The acorn couldn't demand the water because it doesn't know about water. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> well, I mean, but that's so just like in, a, a, in of itself, it doesn't it, it it doesn't know that it even has the potency to to for water to act on it, right? So, so it, the, the, these things act as gifts from above. So the hierarchy, then the conception of the hierarchy, is that it is one in which things achieve their natures through acting upon or being acted upon and acting upon that what being acted upon that which is higher than them and acting upon that which is lower than them mm -hmm. in, a, in, a, in, a, in a hierarchy. Yeah. And that's the way in which they achieve their natures. Yeah. Okay, so we can translate this into society rather quickly. And Thomas directly does this. Mm -hmm. So when they say things about society being a microcosm, right? This is what, what, we, what we're getting at yeah. here, is that one way, one way would be to say something like um, the cosmos is political because what we're seeing here is, the, is a situation in which things with more power are acting upon things that are weaker in, for the perfection of the whole. But the better way is to say society is a microcosm, I think. Yeah, yeah. Right? We're more like the cosmos. Yeah. So what, what we're, but we're not, we operate like the cosmos. We're also integral to the cosmos, yeah, yeah, right? Yeah. We're the perfection of the cosmos. So maybe that's a, a whole nother thing that, that we can get at in a little bit. But human beings themselves are born into a social whole mm -hmm. right into a society and this society like the cosmos is characterized by diversity and inequality there's all different kinds of people with different si kinds of skills with different mm -hmm. abilities um and those abilities themselves are not just innate to people though there is innate differences between people but they're also developed by the relations that those people have with other people. So children are born and there's many, many possibilities to any given child. Yeah. There's not an infinite number of possibilities because he has certain innate ca uh, capabilities, yeah. but there's any number of possibilities. Mm -hmm. And he becomes the person he's going to become through the action of those who have more power over him on him throughout the course of his life. Right, so human beings act on each other. That's just another. It sounds we say things like more power, and everyone starts going uh, domination, patriarchy. But what I'm saying is, <laughs> is simply that there's the other be human beings have efficacy on you, right? They change you. 
like yeah. the water and the acorn. That's yeah, all we're saying. I, it, it is odd that we immediately, <clears throat> I mean, we just sort of read in one of the goals, I think, of a tyrannical society into our descriptions. So we say, okay, the goal, um, as we've been taught, is that everyone is equal. Everyone's the same, yeah. And so when we approach an obvious an obvious point at which not only is that not true, but it's fine that it's not true, like a father and a son, not right. equal. We're like, we, we view it as a problem. Right. This is the reason, I mean, this is the reason you've written on this. This is the reason why liberalism can't handle children. Oh, yeah. Right, because it, it, it or, or or is offended that we call our priest father, or the whole the whole discourse of 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 nineteenth century monarchy within the encyclicals, where they where they are continuously referring to authority as a father like thing. I was reading this book um, that was just documenting child rearing practices in America. Mm -hmm. It's really fascinating because the argument of the book was basically like the things we did to babies and often still do now. Um, were in relation to, uh, he wouldn't have called it this, but to the denial of power, uh, of that power difference. So like it used to be the case that pretty much universally that you would swaddle babies mm -hmm. pretty tightly, like just, just keep them swaddled. We do that. Yeah, you do. Okay. Well this, I mean, that's fitting. I like to display my power through, yeah, the, this, through the swaddle. <laughs> right. Well, you can see why, um, in, in, a, uh, we became gradually kind of horrified by this because part of the idea was that it was a image, right. Of the of that power, right, of the constraint of the child. And then there became a, a kind of, I wouldn't say popular wisdom, but gradually there became a wisdom that the child needed to be free free and flail about so that it could learn that it had rights, that it had its own, like... I know. So we, we encounter this all the time. So Sarah, my wife, swaddles swaddles our babies like crazy. I mean, and we, we encounter people all the time that are like get him out of there. Blah, blah, blah. <laughs> and you're like, no, you don't understand. He loves it. Like, yeah, yeah. He's all upset and you swallow him. Oh like, yeah, exactly. It's like, this is a great well, I, I, <laughs> I, I, I think, and this, this just might be an error. Like, but part of what, part of what thinking that the real thing is some future equality and that the facts that are staring us in the face are somehow like a, some proto equality that just hasn't happened yet. Right. Is that we interpret like the, the movements of arms and legs as like in like intentional. Right. When like we know that they're not, they're like, no, they don't of, even know they have arms that, and legs. That, like, those are things that are upsetting him, and stopping <laughs> that is a service to the baby, right? Like the baby doesn't know what those things that are hitting him in the face are. Right, right, right. <laughs> like he doesn't, he doesn't know those are his own hands. I mean, I think there's a there's a biblical, there's a good biblical reason to swaddle children, because right? that's what Mary did to Jesus. I feel like that has to have some totally. Weight. I, I actually think that's probably dogmatic. Yeah. It's a dogma. Okay. <laughs> a biblical doctrine of the church, swaddle them babies. Okay, but the reason that we are talking about swaddling, of course, is because um, there is this knee-jerk reaction to um, the idea of inequality as being not only present. I think we can kind of deal with that, but but good. Good. So, I mean, what we have to do, that we, we, we keep coming back to this um, father-son, parent-child relationship, and it's really ideal. It's what Thomas does over and over yeah. and over again. And um, it's because it's where we see it most clearly, mm -hmm. right? For the child to develop into a, a um, flourishing person, it requires the care of his parents. Yeah. And that care is well beyond uh, material care. Mm -hmm. It's his, his psychological, his spiritual, his mental care. He needs to be formed by them. Totally. And he is in fact formed by them. Yeah. So, so if they're abusive, he's a formed 
he's deformed by them. Yes. If they're loving and use their power appropriately, then he's formed into his perfection by them. Mm -hmm. So this movement of the, to, from the imperfect to the perfect is what's occurring mm -hmm. with the child. But the, the, the insight is to extend that outside of the family and to understand that all power differentials in society are, are, are this way. So when we say, when Thomas says just power is the use of mastery, the use of power for the good over whom it is wielded, mm -hmm. you know, for the common good, mm -hmm. this is just an extension of that same parent-child relationship into society as a whole. So society, society, but it's not, it's not merely this sort of negative formation that power ought to be used for the common good. There's also the positive side, which is the common good or perfection can only occur through the use of power. Mm -hmm. Right. So in order to become virtuous, you require a person who has more virtue to instruct you into virtue. You cannot do it without that. Right. right? Like that's what part of what it means to become a virtuous person is to is part of an, an essential aspect of becoming virtuous is to put yourself underneath in obedience those who can lead you into virtue. And part of becoming a virtuous person is leading those who have put place themselves in obedience under you into virtue right so you have you're both a ruler and are ruled yeah right part yeah. of part of part of becoming a just person is understanding this goes from aristotle says this and then thomas picks it up part of becoming a just person is being able to both rule and be ruled in appropriate ways which oh, is yeah. justice that's the content of justice yeah i think that the, there's a whole tradition when it talks about the fact that we already do this even within ourselves so it's a so, it's a social reality but it's also like you <clears throat> uh, you rule yourself you learn to rule yourself from others who rule you mm -hmm. so you it, it, to order to be a human being you have to have in yourself both the act of ruling over but since you're the object of it your passions your habits you're also the one who's ruled mm -hmm. so it's not it's it is a social reality between you and other people it's also I don't know what to, like a, a reality of the soul. Absolutely right. Yeah. Right? You know, yeah. The only what what a human being is is a ruled and ruling. Absolutely, thing. but then this just goes to our dominion. Yeah. I mean, uh, we are kings. <laughs> you know. I mean, this this like we are rulers. That's what we are. I was uh, thinking about Genesis because um, there's that there's that line that says that the there were no plants upon the earth because there was no rain and no man to till mm -hmm. the earth. And it seems obvious that the very existence of things is uh, dependent on the existence of what's higher in order um, to and what's be lower. what they are. Yeah, absolutely. So they, the plants, the traditional hierarchy of being, you know, goes minerals, plants, animals, man, angels. Language, yeah. And so the minerals are soil, dirt, you know, and uh, yeah, so the, for the plants, and that include water. So for the plants to exist, they need both what is below them, the water, and what is above them, the men. Yeah. In order to be plants. Right, right, right. Because that's what, like, you can't, uh, the plant's end is ultimately to be elevated into the life of reason, mm -hmm. the life of man, and so ordered towards the worship of God, which is mm -hmm. the end of, this is, I mean, that, that, we, we avoided that when we were talking about the cosmology, but ultimately this whole dynamic hierarchy of inequality, uh, of diversity and inequality culminates in the social worlds that men build. Right, because that, if you have the the mineral world is brought up into the life of the plant, the plant world is brought up 
the life of the animal, animal. the animal world is ordered and brought up into the life of the human, human. being, both in the human being right. and in humans relationship to the animals. And then the human is elevated into the life of God because we're the spiritual, we're a spiritual being by the causality of the angels, by the, through the angels. <laughs> <Don't> exactly. <forget laughs> no, no, no. Right. So, yeah. So right. the, the, it, it's a, it's an act. This is the whole like going from God and returning to God, mm -hmm. but it returns to God through men. Yeah. Right. So we're ordering the whole the whole cosmos. But the 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 thing the thing to realize is that our development as as persons is, is an aspect of this dynamic itself. Yes. OK, so we develop we build our our, our social worlds as worlds of persons, which are not like what the person is, is not is includes the social the social whole in which he's being um, formed into. What do you mean by that? So. To describe who who a person is, you have to you 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 can sort of like infinitely abstract from the actual historical or bio or, or biographical reality of the person, but that's doing it at violence to who he is, right? Yeah. So so who he is 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 his biography, mm -hmm. right? So so what I mean is who his father is, who his mother is, what vocation he was trained into, the way he behaved towards his brothers, the way he acts that that's who he is. He's no mm -hmm. he's nothing else. Yeah. So, so, um, so when we talk about human persons coming into their personhood in a relational social way, I mean, we mean that quite literally. Mm -hmm. Okay. So, so that, and, and that's how we achieve our perfection as human beings is to move from the imperfect to the perfect, from the unvirtuous to the virtuous as becoming a particular person with a particular biography within a certain social setting and a certain historical moment, right? Like that's, that's what it means. Yeah. So this this just adds more diversity and 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 beauty majesty to the, yeah, co it, it, the cosmos because human it, beings themselves build their own worlds yeah totally right so so our which world are we going to build well who knows we can build any number of worlds and then raise people into them and create persons that are native to that world all right what what's i mean it's sort of an exciting idea especially in that in the same way we, we use an analogy to say that the acorn didn't know Right, that it right. eats the water. Yeah, <laughs> that the act of perfecting comes from above, which is to say that which is an act is what gives beings lower than it its proper potencies. Mm -hmm. um, it's the same with people, right? Like, and and, and that's where the analogy comes from. Is what right, I'm saying. exactly. Like, it's it's yeah, weird yeah, yeah. to talk about it with an acorn, be precisely because, because we're talking about people. Yeah. It's not weird to say, for instance, that the baby cannot demand what is necessary for it to become a perfect child any more than the perfect child can know already and demand what is necessary to become the perfect man, which is simply to say that it's a gift, a true gift, because it always belongs properly to the person that already has it. Yeah. And it exceeds the capacity of the one who's receiving it. So, yeah. so part of what it means to be lower, yeah, I mean, this language is so hard for Americans, but it just got to just stick with us here. Part of what it means to be lower or to be weaker is to not is to not be able to comprehend the gift that's that is could be given to you from who is higher. Right, because if you could comprehend it, you'd already you'd have be it. it. You'd already have it. Mm -hmm. So, so part when we describe there being a hierarchy, what we are describing is that the demands that come up can never equal the 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 gifts that that can come down. Totally. Right. Like that's the very nature of it. So sometimes, sometimes you'll have, and, and that those gifts that come down, then that's what makes them gifts as they exceed the capacity for a demand. Right. 
um, which means they exceed the possible gratitude even. So like sometimes people will go, oh, gifts can't really be gifts because you give a gift and then you get gratitude. But the whole point is that if it's a real gift, the whole the the, the person you're giving it to may have may give you some gratitude, but it's not it's not um, it's not um, adequate. Well, and who because that's what it means to be a, uh, on the receiving end of a gift is to not understand the significance of the gift. Totally. So your gratitude is always inadequate. Yeah, and who hasn't so, who hasn't had this experience? I hope with children of, of children, right? Like, yeah, okay. Maybe they say thank you every now and then because you feed them. They have no conception of the gift they're receiving. Right. They're in, it's, it's impossible for them to comprehend it. So it's impossible for them to give adequate gratitude, which is, which is why they can give, um, hierarchically increasing gratitude as they achieve perfection, perfected, right? A, right. An, an adult can thank his father more perfectly, not perfectly, but more perfectly than a child can thank his father. Yeah. And I think an adult, an adult can begin to maybe give the proper gratitude to his father only when he himself becomes a father. Right. Cause then he has children. And he says, wow, that, you did, wow this for you me. did that for me. Now yeah. I understand, you know, yeah. parents say this all the time. You'll understand when you're a parent. Yeah. Right, and it's right. true. Right. That's yeah. just like folk wisdom. Right. Right. You won't understand until you're a parent because that's the way hierarchy works. People hate this. Sorry. Yeah. I, I just, <laughs> I don't mean to get hung up on the parent thing, but there's like a, a the, the, one of the, there's like a, the no child movement sort of like it's, it's, green or whatever to not have children that's a, um okay it's not for it's not for clever people it's for okay it's, yeah, it's yeah. for people that are lower in the hierarchy and need the gift okay. of somebody should give them discipline yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but one of the one of the one of the things that they do is they make judgments about parenthood and then assessing it say that they don't want it right. and then the response of course Feels, you don't know what it is. You don't know what it is until you, until you have it, and this is frustrating to them because it it's no it can't be a transaction, right? You can't make a rational move. You mm -hmm. can't say when you when you're deciding shall I have a kid or not, you are actually it's actually impossible to assess any kind of um, pro con outcome the way that we would like because we like to be rational and ordered. So we say, well, you know, you do some things like oh, but it would cost this much per month. Like you try you had these ridiculous right right judgments, but the point is that. You can only use the judgments from the world that you already receive. Right. Which is that world of not being a parent. Yeah. Which is why you turn to things like money and leisure time. Yeah. No, that's yeah. And the difficulty right. of the parent then who hears this is like you're you're insane. Right. Because the the, <laughs> the point the point is that uh, you simply don't. No, I mean I think the point is just is the, the actual is. response is just to say you don't know what you're talking about. Well, they don't, and and that's that's the kindest response. Yeah. Because they don't have the child. Um, well, it's not even that. I mean, they don't even, they, well, anyways, yeah. not the point. The point is that it's, it's simply an example of the way in which gift operates mm -hmm. hierarchically that right. you can, you can even do this negatively and get stuck on a lower level because you lack as a mature adult, the ability to, to recognize this fact that you actually get inaugurated into a new perfection, right? Not just like the life of a single adult male is somehow it's it and that's mm -hmm. perfect and all judgments to be made are are made from that right. world as it were but i mean one of the things that's really beautiful and significant about this is the way we're talking about gift and hierarchy working is we can see the way in which hierarchy always images god because to the one who's lower who's receiving the gift from the person who's above yeah. them that gift is always um excessive to them it's always uh, gratuitous yes it, so it bears it bears the image of grace 
in it and even of the divine it's godlike right because you never deserve it you never deserve you it you can't comprehend yeah. it it's and so in a sense it's infinitely above you right mm-hmm. even even though you know from your sort of relative position it feels it is and so because it's, there's a qualitative difference not just a quantitative so there's an infinite gap mm-hmm. right and so it is divine so when the church talks about social power always being the power of God and yes. always being in imaging the power of God and mediating God. All political power is divine power. Power doesn't come from below. It comes from above. This is just like yeah. the mantra of the 19th century. And people read that as divine right monarchy and all this. And it's like, no, that's not, that's not it. It's, it's this idea that, that just power is always a divine power and it's always coming from above ultimately. Like it, yeah. it comes from above and then descends through order and a social order. Totally. Um, that is elevate that is built to elevate the lowest into the highest yeah. right built to reach down and, and elevate up this this image then is the is the social image that the church was trying to counter liberalism with mm-hmm. right um and i really rather unsuccessfully i'd say but anyways yeah. <laughs> it's all there um all right so you know where do we where where do we go from here well one of the things to see is that is that the assertion here is that this sort of inequality is um, is in the in the very fabric of of creation itself? That this isn't something that we think is good, and so we ought to have it, or bad, and so we ought and not. so bad, and so we ought not to have it. This is a metaphysical assertion about the way the, the social reality is. It ain't going anywhere, right? So, given that, what happens when you assert equality? What happens when you deny the reality of this, and you and you and you present the social world as if it is a world of equal actors making um, transactions. Um, you know, this isn't obviously a hypothetical that we're making. Right? This is the liberal. I mean, this is what they do. They construct a system that 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 denies the reality of power. Well, yeah, maybe we should back it up and, and describe this a little more slowly. I think. Okay. Because I don't think anyone. I don't think everyone knows this. But you think about where liberalism came from. Um, well, one of the sources of it is in a rewriting of, I would say Genesis, but you might also just say rewriting a description of human nature. Mm-hmm. And the way this is defined in like, a, or the way this is uh, named in like a political class or something would be the um, uh, origin myths. Of yeah, state of nature. State of nature myths, yeah. Right. So. One of the more obvious ones is is from Rousseau, right? And and he's describing like, well, what what were things like in the beginning? And in order to get, we we I think we have an innate sense that like, what it was like in the beginning is how it ought to be, because we are from Eden in some way. In this, yeah, this right. Yeah, so, yeah. so it's not it's not the method. Some people complain about the method of the liberals, like. We do the same thing all the time. We're always talking about Eden. Yeah, yeah. exactly. So yeah. they're—I think they're doing the same thing. It's yeah. just that they're wrong about Eden. Yeah, they have like um, an anti-Eden. Yeah, yeah. So Rousseau's Eden is one of um, a lot of adults. It's really mm-hmm. interesting because um, they there's no everyone's an individual that's sort of self-sufficient mm-hmm. unto himself, and they might come together for some reason of utility to have a child or something. But then he's even got this idea that the children are like. They don't really need a lot of raising. He, say, he says he <laughs> says crazy things like as soon as they're weaned, the mother abandons them. Yeah, and off they go. Which I don't know if, how many people have weaned a child, but 
Uh, maybe maybe he was weeding them at like seven. Seven. Even so, seven year old's not going to survive long in the forest. No, a 13 year old one. I mean, <laughs> maybe a 13 year old one. All right, never mind. But the point is, like, we can read that and just like laugh, haha. But it's like the, 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 they had to do something like this, right? Because of. Um, yeah, Locke has his, Hobbes has his. Yeah, they all do. They have a particular goal of um, describing man as um, equal by nature mm-hmm. and then for inequality to where it does exist be either just straight up injustice right like um, and, and that seems to be what Rousseau is going for same or, with Hobbes yeah or at the very least it's a sort of um, proto like you're just like there's something that becomes really unnatural about yeah or it just becomes a form of technology right so like for Locke, i think you get a more positive framing where it's something like we realize by working together we can achieve our ends more effectively yeah or like for malthus um the weakness and lower level of children is precisely um to develop your mind so like you you are incapable because this is not because of the necessity of relationships of love or anything like that but because it's just a sort of psychological Darwinian process by mm-hmm. which you're suffering the fact that you're a, a, an imperfect being. Yeah. You think about the difference in the Catholic view. Like you're a perfect baby. You're, you're a perfect child insofar as you're – like we don't look at the right. weakness and say like, well, this is an imperfection because we're not just using one perfection as the judge That's for right. everything yeah, it's else. Not the, it's not the 30-year-old independent, healthy, uh, fully functioning adult. Yeah. Yeah, you can right, honestly that's say... That's just one stage, yeah, right, totally. in a continuum of being. Right, exactly. Of movement. Yeah. So they kind of get rid of this, and then they make any stage of weakness and dependence into a kind of cocoon state for the real right. thing, as opposed to a level of real perfection. Mm-hmm. Okay. So so Hobbes is so insane on this, or yeah. so consistent, so brilliant in a lot of ways, <laughs> that he says that, you know, well, obviously babies are born into families, right, and and... But because of the fundamental equality of human beings, the mother or the, the family has the choice to kill the baby immediately and eliminate it, right? And it's only it's only if they choose not to kill it that it then gets to live because it is defenseless against them. It's equal, but will lose the fight. Oh wow! You know, so there's no so there's, it's an equal competitor in the war of all against of all, all against all, and so it's it's survival from the very beginning is this is somehow self interested for other people. Gotcha. Wow. Right. That's yeah. horrifying. Hor- absolutely horrifying, but ra- rather appropriate for our society, I think. But anyway, go ahead. Wow. Given the, the current regime. Okay. So the point, the point is that we don't – we live in a world shaped by this quest to create um, an ideal equality among men. To get so much rid so, of yeah. The that, I mean the word inequality itself is this sort of – nasty word yes, right? on the you origins just say of inequality, the word yeah. inequality and and everyone's like oh we're talking about something that's bad yeah right so yeah so we're, we're trying to render equality somehow now the thing is is that what oh, there's a lot of pieces to this but so how do the liberals do it right so the liberals just maybe i'll just start describing it and then we can go off on branches from there because the liberal tactic is to devise a, a system of formal equality yeah. so Everybody has equal rights. Everybody is a citizen in the same way. The juridical order 
you know, treats everyone um, equally. And so you have a formal equality that is really a fictitious world, right? A fictitious world that includes every human being, every piece of property, like everything becomes a piece of property, right? We, and we've talked about this, I think, previously about the idea of building fictitious worlds. Mm -hmm. So they build this fictitious world where everybody is equal and they are equal uh, under the law. So within, so within liberalism, the example I always give is that, is that, you know, the, the 10 year old, the 10 year old boy working in the coal mine in 19th century England is equal to the mine owner, right? They have equal rights. They trade, they're e making an equal contract. No one's being coerced. They're, they're bringing to bear in their negotiations, whatever property they have, mm -hmm. right? This is an equal exchange legally, like formally, mm -hmm. but you'd have to be a crazy person to not look at that and say, obviously the mine owner has far more power than the 10 year old boy. Mm -hmm. But the point is that within the liberal framework, that power is irrelevant. It's been, so if we just look at the formal framework, the power differential disappears, it yeah. dissolves, right? Right. And, and one of the, and, and so you, 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 you devise a method of modeling all of society that way, all of society. Yeah. It's, fa it's fascinating, right? Cause when, whenever we describe this, it's always positively, right? So, so the whole beauty of equality under the law is that you can be anyone, right? Right. And still get pulled over for for speeding, for yeah, saying, yeah, just right. like the other guy. Right. Um, we never des describe it negatively, right? Right, right. You could be anyone. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You could be the ten year old boy in the mine. Yeah. No, and, and that and that and and that what it's doing is asserting basically that there is no positive duty or function of power, right? So like, power is always. So we, we wouldn't, everyone is the same. And that means there's a sort of lowest common denominator kind of sameness, right? And so if you're higher in the hierarchy, in the reality of the hierarchy, right? Like you the, have the more power. actual de facto arrangement of power. Yeah. You have the exact same social obligations as the 10 year old boy who has no power. Right. You have the exact same social function as him. There's no difference between you. Yeah. Right. So. What that does, if you think about the way we were just talking about a hierarchy of inequality and of gift and the way in which those which are lower are brought up into themselves by that which is higher, this is a way of stealing, right? Because this is, this is a way of denying that which is weaker what it needs in order to achieve its perfection which is really the reason why the higher thing exists is to, mm -hmm. is to, is to render that gift so that the whole can achieve move towards a greater perfection or towards the common I good. I think I think that that's <clears throat> that needs more clarity. Could you give a when, when you talk about it as theft? So, it, yeah, the, let me try. Okay, okay yeah, give, give me an so, example. So let me let me think about it. Let's put it this way. So very often, <clears throat> very often people will talk about rights, negative rights. Everyone has the same negative rights. Right to free so, speech. The right to. Yeah, I mean, let's say, yeah, you have, you have things like that, the right to free speech, even if, even if it, it, it and, and you say that people have, um, there's a sort of corresponding or any right, even if it's a positive right, has a sort of corresponding duty on, on someone else's part. So to say I have the right to free speech is another way of saying that everybody has the obligation not to violate my ability to speak, yep. right? So there's a, there's a correspond, there's a passive and active correspondence. Yes. But the trick of liberalism is to act like that, that passive, so the right bearer and the active are equal. Mm -hmm. So I have a right to free speech, which means everyone else has the obligation not to 
stop me from speaking. Mm -hmm. But that is a, the hierarchy is exactly asymmetrical. Yes. So the, in the in the conceptual hierarchy conception, that which is higher owes more than that which is below can demand. Yes. So I don't. If I have a, a, a right to free speech, it's not merely that the, the active principles, the active parties have an obligation not to inhibit me, but they have a positive obligation to give to me, mm. right? They have a problem, uh, you know, right? So, so when you reduce it to what can be demanded from the bottom, right? So you're, you're basically saying the parent only owes to the child whatever the child's capable of demanding from the parent. Right, which is insane. Which may just be like food. Right. OK, so it's 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 a it's a reduction. So, you you know, you think about like the way our system works, where where the, our check on human action is always lawsuits. Yes. Right. Uh, and, and that that is the passive party suing for his rights. Yeah. But the whole point, the whole the, you can see the whole inversion in play there, because the, the passive party or the one who's been somehow wronged, the weaker party is exactly the one who's not in a position to demand what's actually owed to him. Mm. He can only demand a part of what's owed to him mm -hmm. because he doesn't understand. He can't be in a position to comprehend what what gift could have been given. You see, so so he's always demanding only a piece of what injustice is owed. And so if you if you order hierarchy, if you order society in that way, the more powerful are only ever giving, only ever sort of giving to those who are weaker a piece of mm. what in fact is owed. Only the piece that the weaker are capable of demanding. You see, does that make sense? I, I hope mean, that it makes sense. It, it makes a sort of intuitive sense in that there is no sense of obligation within those who have more power beyond what the less powerful can demand, right? Because I, I run into, you run into this all the time, right? Like, um, uh, I don't know, like you can demand a, a minimum wage guaranteed mm -hmm. you by law, but no one with power, no one who has the power of employer over employees would say that injustice, something like that people under them are owed a wage that is... Um, well, maybe I, maybe wages are bad, actually. Uh, well, no, because what, what you want to do is get away from quantity and talk about quality. Okay. Okay, so so maybe it is the case that, yeah. that the weaker classes, we're talking about class here, I guess, the weaker classes are capable of demanding um, material, certain material benefits or material justice from the, 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 the greater, the, the, weak, the more powerful um, sections of society. Okay, but... The whole point is that there's a qualitative difference between what the the lower and the higher are, the relationship between them, mm -hmm. and so the higher might be able to concede the material benefits, but what about the moral power, right? Like the the the, the more powerful elements in society don't just owe material well-being to the lower; they also owe um, intellectual development. They also owe moral guidance. Wow. They also owe an elevation into into the spiritual truths. And nobody thinks they that. also owe right. Like they have more power, and that power, and they may in fact be more educated. They may be more sophisticated spiritually, even. They may be more sophisticated morally, mm -hmm. and all of those all of those things are things that would have to be donated down in a way that the people it's being donated to wouldn't know that they needed it. Wow. Right. And so by not giving that, they're stealing from the poor. Right. So so 
this becomes very politically incorrect, of course, because we're st we're start talking about aristocracy essentially. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, right. The conception but, is is for Americans is that everyone's the same, so that right. the poor already have everything they need, uh, and the difference between like a poor person, a middle class person, a wealthy person is in fact the amount of money that they have. Like it's a bank, which number. is just a vision of it, the hierarchy from below. Yeah. From the most base, the lowest common denominator, right? Food. That's what I'm trying to get at, and so and so when when you have when you think of hierarchy as an elevation into perfection, yeah. which is an increasing in power as it elevates, then there is there is it's not just you can't reduce it to the lowest common denominator. The elevation is an elevation beyond each step into a higher one. So, so so you can think about this with with things like um, why is it why is it that as liberalism has sunk more deeply into our our consciousness that the it seems that, that the moral life, um, the, the the capacity for human flourishing among the lower classes, has plummeted to a, a much greater degree than seemingly that among the upper classes. Mm. I mean, for example, you know, you take something, for example, like the institution of marriage, right, where it's becoming an upper class institution or an upper middle class institution, um, and it's becoming all but extinct among the lower classes. Yeah. Now, why is that? Yeah. Right. Um, it's not because the upper class is more religious, yeah, right. I mean, in fact, statistically, it's it's different. It's, the lower class is more religious, right? right? If you if you I, survey them, I've heard it more associated with college education. Yeah, so there's what college what, educated people more likely to get married, that sort of thing. Yeah, I mean, I think it. I, I think what happens is that is that those disciplines have um, whatever it is that the values that those middle and upper classes are pursuing. So whether it's material success, stability, some notion of contentment, whatever the values are that they're pursuing, they've determined that that marriage is something that's conducive to the to to the pursuit of those values. And so they build the the, the social disciplines necessary within the, themselves in order to facilitate that institution. Right. But what they're not doing is reaching down to the lower classes and elevating them up into that yeah. institution. They're abandoning them. Well, that's what's really fascinating because, because <clears throat> what that would look like couldn't be giving marriage to the lower class as it's conceived of in that middle that's class right. way. So what I, what I mean that's is right. simple, absolutely just, right. Yeah. You just described marriage within a middle class society as being a sort of, um, I mean, and this is in some ways, like there's goods here. So I don't want to just say that I think it's like, like all, all a, a sham or something. There's but, a lot of goods that the middle class is pursuing. Right. And so yeah. some, some of, some of these goods, you know, it's like the rational choice of goods for security, stability, understanding the certain joys that come with having children and then companionship, um, companionship, all these things. Right. Right. Um, but to, to simply take that as it is understood within a class of people that have more power, um, and then, and, translate it or not translate it rather to the lower class would would and is a failure right so like the, the point well, is that's right that would be like to... that would be like trying to instruct a a, a, a new a novice it by by going straight to like assume it's everything is just it's like it's like when you when you bring when you begin with a novice you have to meet them where they are mm -hmm, mm -hmm. right you don't just introduce them to the highest level uh, of the discipline immediately. Well, but this, this I mean, this is fascinating to me, right? Because the, with, with the marriage example, what it would mean is what would be effective would be to give the poorer classes religious instruction because as you said, they're more religious. Right. I mean, this is, there's, there's perversities here, right? They shouldn't not be religious in the middle class. But, but the point is that you don't 
what is effective is to say that God wants you to marry premarital sex is a sin. I mean, these things that are precisely what the middle class won't do are the things but that why would probably... won't they do it because it inhibits their freedom. See, because what, what's happening is that the, it's not that what, what we don't want to say is that the way the middle class imagines marriage is like the right way. No, absolutely. Right. Not. And, and because what's actually happened is the way what they've done. I mean, we're talking in generalities here, but what seems to have happened is that they've extracted the concept of marriage out of any sort of hierarchical understanding of the cosmos, any sort of religious conception, any sort of pursuit of truth. And I've just said, how does it affect us? Mm-hmm. Right. How is it useful for us? Mm-hmm. How is it? And, and that itself. So if, if they were being, if they were just people, the way they lived marriage would be a participation in the truth of marriage as a whole, which would mean that they would look at the poor and understand they, they wouldn't be, they wouldn't be somehow whitewashing it or modifying no, it or, or, no. or it's distorting right. it somehow. They would really, it, they would really it. say, here's how, here's what marriage does. You know, they would really instruct them in marriage. Right. Um, and, and, and provide social guide, guide, you know, sort of guidance and laws. But and, where I think this is funny is that you actually see them trying to instruct, not every, not everyone, only now and then you see people trying to instruct those with less power in the joys or not even the joys in the utility of marriage as if they're on the same level. So what I mean is I've I've seen this happen. I've seen people say like, don't you know that married people on, on the large are, are happier. Don't you know that marriage is actually associated with lower suicide rates or something like that? I've heard this preached like me too. Why get married? Well, you're less likely to kill yourself. I've actually heard, I actually (laughs) heard on the radio, some guy who was on there talking at length about how I can see if I can remember this, but it was basically like in America, if you just do three things, you won't be poor. And it was like graduate from high school, um, hold a job for at least six months and get married. It was like, if you do those three things, you won't be poor Mm -hmm. as if the reason, like as if you're not just describing not being poor right 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 Right? like as if as if like like poor people are people that don't do those as if like doing those things are are what renders you not poor instead of just poor people are the ones who don't do those things right exactly right like this is just (laughs) which is why which is why the preaching is is such a failure right because what you're saying is really like hey these things that you for whatever reason you lack the power to do like this Mm -hmm. is the de facto reality like do those things yeah, it's and like, then no, you no, won't what, be you anymore. What I need, then you'll be us, right? <laughs> but right? what I need, as the poor person looking up in a, in a in the actual social hierarchy, is for you to give me what I don't know. That's right. Yes, that I need. That's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and and, and to, to speak it into my language and to speak it into to guide I'm at, to give care, which is to talk about to give care, right? And so you know it, we're talking about a sort of material hierarchy, but in a trust society, it would be a hierarchy of virtue that would map onto map onto social power including material power so right. we got to have some some sort of conception of of that but what i what, what we're getting at there being an injustice here is that the 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 american we're talking about the american middle class as being powerful which i think it is so the american middle class and upper middle class by not providing the moral law by abandoning the moral law themselves yes they by not giving it to the poor they're abandoning it which means they don't have to follow it Mm-hmm. All right. So they don't need it in order to achieve their ends of middle class family because, you know, 
are they having premarital sex? Well, of course, but they're doing it safely and they're doing it prudently and they're not making any stupid mistakes, mm-hmm. right? right? Because that would get in the way of going going to college and right. getting a degree and our family doesn't do that. So let's have right. a talk about safe sex, right? Yeah. right? And so it's it's – it's not the the morals is not the morals that are surrounding the institution of marriage. The morals are the morals that are surrounding the the goals of the class yes. that you're a member of, right? And so it's wrong to mess up your progress into middle class success, right? Which is why it's not wrong to have premarital sex. It's wrong to get pregnant and exactly not, and not have an abortion. Exactly. But that but that is exactly that that then doesn't translate to a different. A socioeconomic situation and so by abandoning morality in itself you they get the ability to have premarital sex as much as they want the the middle class does yeah because then they can do it smartly and rightly and they don't have to worry about uh and then then the poor of course don't do it uh, smartly in the sense that the middle class would would think of it as being intelligent so it they become by by denying the moral instruction that society that needs to permeate society they're stealing from the poor. They're gaining the ability to do whatever they want mm-hmm. by not providing that to who's below them. Mm-hmm. And this is a form of stealing. Yeah, it's an it's an injustice. They owe it to to what is below them. Yeah, and it's so and, and it's so um, malicious in that having stolen by refusing the gift that they're obligated to give in justice right. to the poor, they then turn at the poor and despise them. For how, Precisely for not having for not, the gift no, they were exactly. supposed to give. They were it's supposed like, to give them, yeah. So look now, at you, having kids they, out of wedlock. Yeah. Look at, yeah. Don't you know that that's bad for your uh, well, like you said, business it's, success? It's going to make you poor. <laughs> it's going to make you poor, yeah. <laughs> look I mean, at it. It's making I, you poor right now, poor person. <laughs> <laughs> so, so you know, and this is all, again, this, everything we're saying here, I think is very true and it's very politically incorrect. I mean, it's very, well, what it, you're we're saying triggering is, things here because what we're talking about is there being social inequalities that are real. There are real inequalities and there's and, a paternalism here. Yes, there's a paternalism here. Right? Like you have a duty That's to right. those who are really actually weaker, less smart, yeah, less, less intelligent, educated, less, less, moral. less culturally developed, less mm-hmm. – right, all of that. That's yeah. right. Right. And, and, that, and that is an analogous – it's analogous to the, the, the parent-child relationship and, and, and that is a, a very offensive to people obviously, but it's unfortunately for them true. <laughs> yeah, <I'll tell> you. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I think it's we have this, and maybe this is this gets into where this becomes a mechanism tyranny, right? Because we have this um, this this reaction that says the reason that a kind of paternal model is inherently um, uh, suspect is because, in fact, we really are equal, right? So, so what's wrong about like, because you can describe the paternal model and, uh, without saying the word, and just say like it is it is right to give power to those who don't have it, so that they can be perfected. Mm-hmm. I think most people would be like, "That sounds good." Right. Right. But the problem with with that is what what you're not saying is that those people, in fact, don't have it. Like, they don't. That's right. Um, that's where the paternal the paternal model but, but the whole thing the, the the thing that there that maybe is being missed is that the this christian conception this i think catholic conception is based upon the utter conviction and the equal dignity of all human beings right so the reason we can look at a child and say of course his parents owe him love and care and education and dire- direction is because he's a person mm-hmm. of equal dignity and worth mm-hmm. as them mm-hmm. Right, like that's the reason we say hiding the power structures, masking it, 
is wrong. Like what we actually have to do is identify it and call it out. Mm -hmm. Put put, you know, like like in the Middle Ages, you've talked about this recently, like put some different clothes on him so we can identify him and say, there's the powerful guy. What's he doing for the poor? There's the the powerful (laughs) guy. There's the people who have that ability there. Are they serving society properly or are they not? Right. Mm -hmm. Instead, we hide it. We mask it. Let me say that everyone's equal. Which provides cover for the powerful. That's the point. That's the reason. That's the way in which it's a mechanism of tyranny, mm. right? Is it, it provides power for it, cover for power. Um, you know, where I see this sometimes like really little, and I'm, I'm not trying to go back to class all the time, but it seems like um, there's this bit within um, kind of liberal economics that says that the reason that you're either rich or poor is always a matter of work. So like the rich are successful, right? Um, the poor in order to be successful should pull themselves up from their bootstraps, bootstraps. is a kind of yeah, yeah. oddly lingering metaphor. Or <laughs> yeah. Um, Which is funny because it's impossible. Well, of course, like that's the I mean, definition. It's like a joke, right? It's like lift yourself up in a bucket. I know. It's a... So in the, in the very word it has the destruction <laughs> of what ought to be right which is that those who are in fact capable of pulling someone up have an obligation to do so and do right so instead we're saying well we're all equal so we have to somehow rise through this hierarchy ourselves because mm-hmm. there is no inequality which means there's no one obligated to help that's right and what's fascinating about this is you look at like um like billionaires or whatever and uh the description of like how a billionaire got to be a billionaire is something that fascinates us like we make mm-hmm. whole magazines on this be- precisely because we think their success is emulatable because we think we're all equal so we can read how bezos did it yeah and then you know kind of emulate this ourselves like here's the habits of of wealthy people the presumption being that they're just like everyone else therefore just do it yourself and you can be them too get it get it, you know right it's just another version of that do these three things and you won't be poor but what's insane about <laughs> it is then when you actually read it what gets hidden is the actual inequality whereby they were obligated to help others rather than just pursue profits and become billionaires themselves. So you're reading about Bezos and you're like, well, he started out with a, like a million dollar loan from his parents. And right. it's like, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> hold up. <laughs> so maybe it wasn't just getting up early, you know, yeah. <laughs> having that, that go get them positive attitude or whatever. And I think the, I'm not just trying to like but that's part rag of it, on though. it because what I'm not saying is like, it's wrong for there to be that inequality to begin with. No, the right. church is saying just go the church is just, just saying, look, the okay. inequality is there. It's there from the beginning. Yeah. So, so this is a good a good thing for us to, to to talk about the error in the other direction then, because because the liberals, like we've said, produce this formal equality which masks the material inequality. But the people on the left recognize um, they recognize inequality. They Brilliant. recognize material inequality, and then they try to devise formal inequality in order to create material equality yes. right so they say because there's real equality real inequality we're going to devise formal mechanisms that treat that 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 basically in the simplest form would be to redistribute power mm-hmm. um, from the powerful to the weak mm-hmm. redistribute wealth from the wealthy to the poor and and, and so we're going to create formal inequality we're going to treat different people in a different way legally different you know and then but the outcome is going to be material equality same as the liberal which is the same it's just the it's just the uh, the liberal error again right yeah. so they they're again they are again this is why socialism i i i really think is not is 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 really something that emerges only from within liberalism and is a sort of form of liberal self-hatred and it's not it's not in fact like a serious critique right because yeah. it 
it, it also pursues, it also has this idea that the, that, that politics as a whole will be dissolved in equality, right? So we'll dissolve the reality of power structures. Mm -hmm. We'll somehow get there. That's the objective. Mm -hmm. Whereas I think the Christian understanding is that no power structures are the beauty of the cosmos. Like this is like we were just talking about in the beginning of this talk, like the, the, the hierarchy, the diversity, the inequality is what makes us image God more perfectly. Mm -hmm. This is our perfection, not a, a bug. It's not something that has to be, has to be healed. Like our politics is not just sort of some sort of like, um, uh, some sort of just like healing our, our wounds or our politics isn't just like dealing with faults or failures. Our politics is us being human beings, like what, what yeah. we are, our political beings. And that's, we image God in our politics, which is our deployment of power for each other. Well, right? what's amazing about this is like <clears throat> the Catholic vision is so personal. Like the, the demand of socialism and liberalism is is always in the end okay perfect the system whether it's the legal right. system or the you know system of distribution that will achieve material equality mm -hmm. um but if it's the case that this will never get over actual power differences in society then the then any vision the catholic vision is what we're discussing but any vision that acknowledges that and deals with them and says, okay, that's the, the what we're dealing with, not some fictional mm -hmm. e equality, whether as an end state or um, a formal a formal sort of description. Um, that that is going to always call particular people to task um, in having obligations of justice, right? Because the it, it gives justice meaning, is what it does. Right, I mean, yeah. it puts meat on justice. Right, the, I know the, because the anyone anyone can demand equality. In fact, I've yeah. noticed that the people that are benefiting from massive inequality are often the people that are most for theoretical equality. Right. Like there's there's not no one that wants that sort of vision more than than those who are benefiting from it not being enacted. And, and the the <laughs> and it's funny because um, you don't have to do much. You don't have to do much or anything at all really to say um, yes, we should have equality. But you do have to do a lot. If you think that the fact of inequality has built into it the obligation to give, right? So, so I'll bring up one example here that's like totally baffling to Americans, okay. I think. So the church, the church, all the way through the 19th century and into the 20th century, just resoundingly rejected the idea of free speech, right? Of a, of a right to free speech. Cool. In, in like no uncertain terms. Based, right. as the kids would say. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so this seems really upsetting to us. What's going on? And, and But it's based upon all the stuff that we've been talking about. So what they're saying is, if you think about this reasonably for a second, it's like, okay, we're going to have the universal right to free speech. So this is a, a universal negative right that is equal to everyone. Mm -hmm. So now we just have this big open field of speaking. But if power is real... What that means is that the people who are most skilled have the loudest megaphones, are most good, are best at rhetoric, who yeah. are best at visual, like visual stimulation, who are best, they're going to rule, mm -hmm. right? Like, so there's no responsibility to what you say. You can, everybody can say whatever they want. Well, what that means is that the people who aren't good at saying things are going to lose. <laughs> yep. <laughs> right? So, so what, what that's actually doing is providing cover for demagogues. Right for propaganda for mass marketing, which have. is obviously what we have. And so when the church said there can't be a right to free speech, they didn't mean that 
they, they, what they were talking about was the obligation of the powerful to speak truly. They weren't talking about whether or not you, you know, you or I have the right to talk about our politicians. <laughs> they were talking about does does Facebook have the right to massively lie to us all? No. Right. And this is a moral. No this right is a moral claim. Yeah. Mm -hmm. They do not have a right to set, to say lies. Yeah. Right. And that's a metaphysical assertion. Right. I mean. Yeah, because there will always be people that are better at speaking. They're, they have power, and their power consists of language and images. Yeah. And that power must be used for the common good, or it is wrong. And you don't, you can't have a right. You know, you could have a juridical right. I mean, you could have a, narrow, a positive yeah. right, but you can't have a, a human right. I feel like you have an inkling of this coming from the um, the left when when the right uses the defense of free speech for obvious um like cynically yeah like i said something horrible and 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 cruel and you know evil inciting violence or something this is how usually the left conceives of it is like you don't have a right to free speech in this instance because your speech is actually um not well what they have to do is this move where it's not no longer speech at all it becomes this other thing i know but that's because they can't accept what the church has always said, which is that there's no right to free speech. speech. Yeah, <laughs> and, and so they they have to they have to do this weird shift where now that's an act of violence, a physical violence somehow. Right, right. By, the right, the right has the same necessity. problems, right? So like now with the right to free speech, right to free speech, but you know how do we feel about pornography? Mm. How do we feel? You know, and, and and I mean, I think that there's that's not really speech because free speech is about politics, not about you know this mm -hmm. kind of stuff. And, that, and 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 the point is, both sides are kind of right in their own. Right, in yeah. their own way, right? Well, because what they're so, what they're seeing is what they lack. Yeah, which right. is namely the ability to say that you shouldn't lie to people. You shouldn't lie to people. You shouldn't manipulate people. You, you shouldn't should be punished for lying. You should yeah. be ostracized. Yeah, yeah, and and um, now, the church always said that the 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 juridical, like the positive statutory ways in which this is th this pursuit of justice is instantiated is a matter of political prudence, mm -hmm. right? But but there can't be some sort of metaphysical right. Here. Right, so like maybe you can conceive of of you can conceive of a society determining that it's prudent to allow for um, falsities insofar as they can be understood as um, not mattering that much, like yeah, not actually yeah, affecting yeah, yeah. like people because of the relationships of power. Yeah, and, and and Saint Thomas talks a great deal about this that you can't you can't you can't outlaw all vices right yeah um, not because all vices aren't outlawable they all are why, but, yeah. but it's imprudent to do so right for the pursuit of the common good and there's all kinds of reasons yeah, that's why actually that. why he says that we were given a one of the reasons we were given a divine law is so that all the vices at some level would be condemned yeah 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 and they're always capable of being outlawed in the right circumstances yeah. Mm -hmm. um yeah so you know this this sort of I mean, I think that we're that what we're talking about with free speech operates with the whole battery of negative rights. Mm -hmm. You know, so so you're yeah, what you're yeah. kind of doing is clearing the space for the powerful to win. Oh, totally. So you know, one place that I've noticed, like whenever you create a neutral space, you're you're essentially masking the real power difference at the same time. Because mm -hmm. um, if everyone is just sort of doing the same thing, then why treat any one person? any differently is is th so this is this is why this accrues onto onto tyranny because you can obviously as a charismatic person use uh free speech you know as we can see yeah. in order to rule others but i mean but you see this also in in 
you know, you know, one way that I see it is like you give you give the poor certain rights um, in this in this negative sense, um, and then it's always seemed apparent to me that people that are that have more power are the ones who are more able to actually get the goods that those rights are supposed to protect. Mm-hmm. What I mean is like who actually wins court cases in America? Yeah, right. The ones people that the can best, afford good lawyers, lawyer, yeah. right? Like who, who actually benefits from, you know, well, I guess that's all I'm saying really is that there's always, since power is always real within that neutral space, the people that can bring that power to bear, not not like somehow the right itself mm-hmm. to bear, but to, to, to exert power on the assertion of a negative right, um, actually have it more successfully. That's right. Yeah, that's right. So, I mean, I think it's probably apparent to everyone the extreme danger in all the stuff that we're speaking here, because you start talking about power as being real, power as being efficacious, power as being unavoidable, power and and you you get to the point where you have to you have to come to a realization that that constitutions are not going to save us, mm. right? That legal structures are not like that you don't you don't design and implement kind of constitutional social structures and then take the people and put them in there and then see how they operate, right? Like that's not that's impossible. Those structures themselves are built out of power, mm. right? And so yeah. the point the point becomes that the only way out is more is moral power mm-hmm. right there, there is no there is no systemic there is no sort of um statutory constitutional legal solution there's no checks or balances that could be constructed there's yeah. no like that's not going to work because de facto power is de facto right and so and this is why the church this is why the popes just over and over and over again say in their encyclicals you know in the social encyclicals that by the end they always say the only solution is a return to the moral law. The only solution is a return to Christ. The only solution, right? Um, and there's no there's no sort of mechanism that stops the the switching from virtue into vice on a mm-hmm. social scale. Like virtue is always vulnerable to vice. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like like the, the virtuous society is always vulnerable to the vicious one. Mm-hmm. Um, then you have to just win the the moral fight. Yeah. <laughs> you know. Now, there, the, the, within within a society that is generally moral or generally immoral, there's all kinds of legal restrictions that can come into play. But my point is, my point is that in the end, in the end, we're talking about a matter of of conversion here, and not a matter of um, having the the right constitution. Yeah, absolutely. So if you pass a bunch of laws saying that the rich have to do this and that for the poor, those just become, and that's all you're doing is passing a bunch of laws. That just becomes more terrain for de facto power to move. Totally. Because how are you going to punish them? You're going to find them. If you got it. Yeah. What I mean. Guess who can pay the fines? You eventually <laughs> end up against. You eventually reduce it to the people who actually have power. Yeah. So you, you, it's that's not the way. That's not the solution here. That's not what we're talking about. Yeah, and isn't this sort of like the historical failure of socialism? Is that they always created some kind of power structure that had the de facto power to administer and enforce the um, material uh, inequality. Yeah, I mean, this is this is what that, that's like. Who gets powerful? The state the, gets powerful, the, but the state the, is really the these socialist people. experience is the best to see exactly what I'm talking about, right? That you 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 just adding layers of 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 de jure power that are just populated by the same corrupt, powerful classes that were corrupting powerful the the previous one, right, right? Right. So now it's like, oh yeah, we were being run by a bunch of corrupt capitalists. Now we're being run by a bunch of corrupt commies. Yeah. <laughs>
Same as the old same boss. as yeah. <laughs> it's just like what well, yeah. The the powerful people are corrupt, right? Right, and so the change of our system didn't didn't do that. It just made it worse. Right. Solution right? is that they are no longer corrupt. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it's the only solution. Well, I mean, but, but that's that's what's I think terrifying to um, <clears throat> the ideologies is that the only solution is the power of the church. Mm-hmm. And that's yeah. precisely what has been excluded sort of a priori. Yeah, no, and, I, and that's right. And I think that maybe a good way to, to end this conversation would be to, to kind of revisit a little bit when we talked about the church um, in the previous one, because we were talking, people asked, whether well, it's a church of tyranny. And, and, and one of the things, and we were talking about the way in which the church, the way in which a just society can appropriate tyrannical forms for just reasons and all this kind of stuff. And that's all true. But but the the more positive side is sort of what we're talking about today, that that power and hierarchy is not always some sort of an appropriation of tyranny, that it's yeah. the exact opposite, that, that tyranny is, is abusing, you know, stealing and abusing the natural power hierarchies that exist in human society. And so the fact that there's inequality, the fact that there's some people with power over others is not some, some indication that there's tyranny. Right. Right, so we got to be very clear on that in all of these discussions right. that in we're fact, having. It's, it's an indication that justice is possible. Yeah, exactly right. The gift is possible. Right. right, like every gift is a gift from someone with more to someone with less. Right, and when we were speaking so, of the church <clears throat> having a sort of check on tyranny, it's that it makes the decision to dress up that those power differences to point them out and to give to expose them. Right, and to really clearly list out their duties. I mean, you think yeah. about the kind of obligations of the aristocratic class and we mm-hmm. only seem to view this cynically like we only have a lens of like it's so unfair actually historically speaking right that's what i mean well, well i mean just think about I mean, how it, long that how long it was actually present in society yeah centuries you're talking about centuries of people acting according to the obligation so that any kind of abuse was possible right you know what i mean like we get it wrong we think like we think like the thing exists because of the abuse uh, for the sake of real abuse of hierarchy, abuse of power. But it's like, no, only because we're all declaring that the thing exists. Do you looking back on history, even have the ability to recognize when the power was being abused? Right. That's right. Like, Oh, those nobles aren't acting very noble. It's like, well, Right. Well, why right. are they called nobles? Why they talk? Of, yeah, you know. do, do we have nobles? No. So we don't expect anyone to be noble. So we right. don't have anyone to blame. We don't have no. anyone anyone to argue against when like Bezos, who is do you obviously know that, you know how a noble. Crazy this, like, like, so I've actually, I'm a, I'm a medievalist by training, right? And so yeah. I'm constantly engaging medieval uh, historians who make this exact error. So like, so for example, the fact that in the source material, you see clergy all the time complaining about, about like, uh, 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 corruption or immorality that that means that it was all corrupt and immoral <laughs> and it was like um like you're saying you're saying a, like a society that is obsessed with its own failings that just like is always talking by its own, about yeah. its own failings yeah. like that's evidence that it's a failure yeah it's like that seems to be evidence that it's really concerned about doing right yeah totally. like it's like really obsessed about identifying and talking about the places where they're failing totally. right like we don't do that not at all <laughs> no, I yeah, I mean, and, and this is just to, to, to speak on a whole structural level of like tyranny hiding itself, right? Because right. if you have, if you have a, um, if you have evil being done by people who have more power over people who have less, rule for private gain, right? <laughs> um, then it's precisely the lack of any 
image of that happening that indicates that it's been successful. That's right. Yeah, exactly. I mean, the fact that we have to sit here kind of thinking like, hmm. Hmm, in what way is Jeff Bezos? Yeah. <laughs> Who ever? is our tyrant? Hmm. Do we really have a ty tyrants or is it just sort of a... Instead of it just being obvious that, that the billions that are being extracted from Chinese slave labor is wrong. And yet we look back at someone in... <laughs> I mean, then, we look, I mean, then we look back at someone in history and, and he's, he happens to be wearing a crown and like a big robe. And now we judge him. And we're like, oh yeah, that's oh, man. power. What corrupt. a corrupt bishop. That's so nasty. <laughs> it's like, because bishop shouldn't be corrupt? Right. Yeah. Yeah, you know that he shouldn't be corrupt. corrupt. You have no idea. <laughs> you have no idea that the middle class shouldn't be corrupt. Right. You, have well, no you don't idea. even know what it would look like because you don't oh. know what it being just would look like. Because well, we don't know. We have assigned to it no particular obligations. No social obligations except for caring for itself. Mm -hmm. In fact, that's kind of what defines middle class. Yeah. I mean, we're, getting, we're, we're being kind of hard on them. But, but there, there's they, a lot of good things going on there. But. <laughs> okay. Well, there it is. So, so. The assertion of equality where it doesn't exist is a mechanism of tyranny mm -hmm. right? because it allows power once again to mask itself and in masking itself masks its duties and obligations. So the historical response of the church has always been to assert that power is real from the very beginning, that it is in fact the way that things are brought to greater, greater perfection um, metaphysically and then obviously in the social cause. Yeah, and they, and they the say Jesus, this crazy stuff like all power is from God. Well, I think about like <laughs> we're like, yep. Well, and this is this is. I always say maybe we'll end on this when I just have a new idea because you know it seems mean to wrap it up and then say something. But like, okay. but don't you think this is like the weirdness of our interpretation of that passage in Romans, which I'm sure someone knows the chapter um, where it says that you know all yeah. authority comes from God? Because when I when I you go you go no whoa, 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 what about. What about the tyrants? Well, but what I experience is people um, who become um, very, very Christian, very Catholic, looking at that and saying, "Like, well, okay, so no matter, no matter what they're doing, it's good. It's good. It's divinely sanctioned. Yeah. It's like the opposite. The opposite the, the meaning must is be the, the opposite. Case. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Precisely because it is it's from, from God, God. It, it has, has to, to be, be in godly. service to the weak. Yeah. Which is what Christ came to say. I mean, yeah, He I said know. the Son of Man came to serve and not to be served. I know. And then, and then all of society and becoming more Christ-like takes on that image. Yeah. Rule becomes defined, known as rule in being for the service of the weak. Right. I mean, we take this as just like a, I don't know, we take it as a given. We don't see it, see it as an achievement of Christianity. And so then we look back up and then we look at this passage and we actually read it in a very, um, I would say we read the Romans passage in a very liberal very. way because we think of it constitutionally. Mm -hmm. We're like... Well, this person has the office of emperor. Therefore. King. Therefore, his actions are divinely sanctioned. So we have to do whatever he says. We have to do whatever he says. So I encounter this all the time in class, and I just – all I have to do is bring up Hitler. And everyone's like, wait a minute. <laughs> so is his power from God? Well, wait in so far in so far as it was authority, it's like, yeah, but that's what we're that's saying. That's what I'm saying, yeah. yeah. In so far as it was authority. So in so far as it was just. In so far it was contributing to the common good. In so far as it served the weak. Yeah. Which is, Which is not much for Hitler. Yeah, no, I, I, when I, when I, people, people do this all the time and I read it in Paul and then they have the audacity to be like, and, and Paul was probably talking about Nero at that point. It's like, yeah, it was a critique. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, okay. Okay. All right, we got our jabs in. Here we are. So, yeah. <laughs> so give the lie to equality wherever you see it masking itself instead recognize. Recognize your own power. Yeah, totally. Like man up. Yeah, you live in a world of unequal relationships, which means that you have an obligation to give 
um, the power that you have. Recognize your own power and hold other people who have power to account. I mean, I think that's that's the message. Alrighty. Till next time, everyone. Thank you so much. Bye.